Welcome to another episode of Deep Pockets and Stilettos, where we dive into the world of personal finance, career, and personal development to help you make informed decisions about your money and your life. I'm your host, Lorian, and in today's episode, we're tackling a question that many people grapple with. Do you need a financial advisor? We'll break it down into three key parts, the basics, the pros and cons of hiring a financial advisor, and how to find the right financial advisor for you if you decide you want to hire one. So let's start with the basics. What exactly is a financial advisor? A financial advisor is a professional who provides expert advice on managing and investing your money. They can help with a wide range of financial goals from saving for retirement to planning for major life events like your kids going to college, for instance, and you financing their education. Financial advisor is a generic term that can encompass a variety of professionals like certified financial planners, investment advisors, and wealth managers. All of these professionals work with individuals, families, and businesses to create customized financial plans based on the needs of their clients. These plans can typically cover areas like budgeting, investing, insurance, and retirement planning. And the goal of these professionals is to help clients achieve their financial goals and navigate the challenges of the financial world and to take some of that stress away from them because it can be intimidating for a lot of people. According to what type of professional you're seeing, they might offer all or some of the services that I have cited above. In general, investment advisors and wealth managers tend to focus on someone's investment portfolio, whereas financial planners tend to take a look at the entire financial picture and the financial goals of an individual. For instance, if someone's goal is to save more money and put more money into their 401k, that's something a financial planner might be able to help with, whereas it wouldn't really fall in the scope of work of a wealth advisor, for instance. In short, a financial advisor is a professional who gets paid for providing financial services to clients based on their particular situation. Which brings me to my next point. Now that we've covered the basics of what a financial advisor is, let's delve into how they get compensated. Understanding their payment structure is crucial for making informed decisions. Financial advisors can be compensated in several ways, and it's essential to be aware of these methods. There are three main ways financial advisors get compensated. The first one is charging an hourly rate or a flat fee for the planning services they provide. Depending on the engagement, they may provide limited or comprehensive advice, and the engagements may be one-time or ongoing. For instance, you might want to be followed by a financial advisor for a year, or you might just want to have an overview of your situation as a one-off thing. The hourly rate or flat fee is a great option for those who want specific advice without the ongoing commitment. Another common model is charging a percentage based on assets under management, what is called AUM. 
In this scenario, the advisor typically takes around 1% of the investment account value. The third way financial advisors get compensated with is earning commissions. They may receive compensation based on the sale of financial products or transactions, such as stock trades, for instance. So based on these three ways, you can separate financial advisors in two categories, fee-only and fee-based. Fee-only advisors are those who charge an hourly rate, a flat fee, an asset under management fee, or a combination of these three. Fee-based advisors may receive compensation through a mix of flat fees, a percentage of assets under management, and commissions. I'm sure you can see the inherent conflict of interest that might arise from fee-based advisors who earn commissions based on the trades they do for you. They might not act in your best interest, but offer an acceptable solution instead that's also going to make them money with the trade. Now let's move on to credentials. When considering hiring an advisor, it's crucial to ensure they have the necessary qualifications and adhere to ethical standards. One of the key credentials to look for is the Certified Financial Planner or CFP designation. CFP professionals have undergone rigorous training and testing to demonstrate their knowledge in various aspects of financial planning. And to be completely transparent, I am considering to take the CFP right now to become a certified financial planner. And so I have looked into it. And indeed, before you can even take the test, you need to have undergone an education program. That's not even to pass the test. So you can definitely be confident in the fact that someone who obtained the CFP designation has put the effort behind their desire to become a financial advisor. There are other reputable credentials for the financial advisor landscape. One of them is the CFA, the Chartered Financial Analyst, and the other is the Personal Financial Specialist, the PFS. Both of these designations indicate a commitment to a high level of expertise from these professionals. And regarding the CFA particularly, I would like to add that it is also used in traditional finance by people who are not financial advisors as a credential. For instance, someone who's a salesperson on the trading floor at Morgan Stanley might have taken the CFA. It's an exam in multiple levels, level one, level two, level three, um, in order to give confidence to their clients and add reputable um, credentials to their resume. So sometimes, you know, if you're on LinkedIn browsing and you see someone's name and then CFA behind, it means that this person has taken the CFA, but they might not be a financial advisor. So I would say you can find both types of financial advisors, those who have only the CFP, those who only have the CFA, some that have both the CFP and the CFA. And another precision that I'd like to add to wrap up the credentials part is that the PFS or the third credentials is a uh, reputable credential as well, but this one can only be obtained by someone who is a CPA. 
so a certified public accountant. So that means that someone who wants to become a financial advisor but is not an accountant, a CPI, cannot take the PFS. The PFS is an add-on to someone who's a CPA in order to diversify their services on top of tax services to financial planning. So for example, if someone doesn't have the CPA uh, designation, they can take either the CFP or the CFA. I would say these three are really the golden standard for uh, credential amongst financial advisors. And you know, you might go to one or the other based on what specific services you need. But it's very important to note that not all financial advisors are held to the same standards. Some may have basic licenses, while others may have more advanced certifications like um, the three I just talked about. So taking time to verify an advisor's credentials can save you a lot of money in the long run and can also provide confidence in their ability to handle your financial affairs. And with all that said regarding financial advisors' credentials, the most important thing you have to remember from this part is the concept of fiduciary duty. A fiduciary is an individual or entity that has a legal and ethical obligation to act in the best interests of another party. In the context of financial advisors, a fiduciary duty implies that the advisor must act in the best interests of their clients and prioritize their clients' interest over their own when providing financial advice or managing investment. Remember in the first part when I mentioned that fee-based advisors might have a conflict of interest, usually that's when that comes in. This fiduciary duty requires the advisor to avoid conflict of interest, so it comes particularly handy when that happens. And it's considered a higher standard of care and advisors who operate under this duty are often held to stricter ethical and legal standards. And it's important to know that not all financial advisors are fiduciaries. Some may operate under different standards. And what that means for you is that they're only required to recommend products or strategy that are suitable for you, even if not in your best interest. So compared to a fiduciary who needs and is required because of their duty to recommend strategies and products that are in your best interest, financial advisors that are not fiduciaries do not have to do that. They just need to provide acceptable solutions. So let's recap that first part. It's crucial for you if you're seeking a financial advisor to understand the compensation structure and choose a model that aligns with your preferences and your financial goals. Remember the three ways that financial advisors are paid, an hourly rate, a flat fee, an AUM fee or commissions. And based on that, they belong in two categories, fee-only advisors, those who are paid with an hourly rate, a flat rate, an AUM fee or a combination of that and those who are paid with a combination of that and commissions on the trades or the products they sell and that is fee-based. So that brings us to the other part of the introduction to financial advisors and that is the standard 
for their credentials, the three main credentials being the CFP, Certified Financial Planner Designation, the CFA, Chartered Financial Analyst, and the PFS, the Personal Finance Specialist Credential that is only available to people who are CPAs already. So that's it for the credentials. And the other crucial and most important thing to remember is fiduciary duty. Financial advisors that are fiduciaries are required to act in their client's best interests and to recommend strategies that are in their client's best interests. And therefore, that provides you with a higher level of protection. Now that we know what a financial advisor is, let's weigh the pros and cons of hiring one. Let's start with the pros. On the positive side, a financial advisor can bring expertise and experience to the table that generally you do not have, which helps you make informed decisions and relieves you from the straits you might feel about your finances. They can also provide a disciplined approach to financial planning and investment management. Because if you're left to your own devices, maybe you're going to procrastinate It's always going to be at the back of your mind, but you're never actually going to take care of it. Meanwhile, having an external party that is in charge and is prompting you to take action is actually maybe beneficial for you because you might not have addressed that part of your life if not for the pushing or the the action of hiring that external party and actually spending money hiring that external party. Financial advisors can also help you avoid financial mistakes or detours and therefore can fast forward your financial journey, whether you are looking for financial independence, retirement, or estate planning. So now let's go to the flip side, the cons of hiring a financial advisor. The first one is obvious, right? It comes with costs. The obviously typically charge a fee for their services that we've talked about in the first part. And when that is a percentage, that compounds. I've talked about how compound interest is wonderful to build wealth. Well, you know when it's not great? It's not great when it compounds against you for debt, for instance, or in that case for financial advisors, it doesn't compound properly, but you are charged a percentage of something that is technically growing year on year if the financial advisor is doing something right. So you are constantly paying. And if you run the calculations, you might separate with hundreds of thousands of dollars over a very long period. So it's essential for you to weigh these costs against the potential benefits. The other thing that is important and that is definitely a con to working with a financial advisor is that not all of them have a fiduciary duty. So it means they might not be required to prioritize your best interests over their own, which is what we've talked about in the previous part of the podcast. So this lack of fiduciary duty can lead to conflicts of interest, which is why it's extremely important if you decide to work one that you choose a fiduciary financial advisor. And let's not forget the empowerment factor. It's incredibly empowering to learn how to take care of your finances and not externalize that to someone else. 
you might re actually really enjoy taking a hands-on approach to your finances and you might even find satisfaction in doing it. And the information is out there. It's not that complicated. And that is my entire goal with that podcast is to make it accessible because anyone can do it. So when choosing a financial advisor and you're weighing the pros and the cons, it's really important to know yourself. I personally believe that anyone can manage their own finances with the right knowledge and information. Of course, uh, I'm talking for 99% of people. If you have $2 billion to manage because you sold your app to Apple or Facebook, Meta, sorry, then yeah, maybe you need a financial advisor. I'm talking for regular people that haven't made uh, nine figures on a recent deal. So it's about knowing yourself. Ask yourself the simple, simple questions. First of all, can you afford it? Are you someone who's very stressed out about their finances and is just eating you up and you might actually benefit a lot and get the, the stress relief of hiring someone to take care of that for you and you're willing to pay the cost of that? Are you someone who is pressed for time? You just do not have time. You're a doctor and you spend 15 hours a day in the ER and you just cannot think about sitting down in front of your computer and reading information about personal finance. All of these are elements you need to take into account when thinking about hiring a financial advisor. Now, I think there's a misconception around financial advisors that these guys will make you super rich. Everything they will touch, they will turn to gold. And that's why it's only for extra wealthy people. That is not the case at all. Financial advisors are not financial wizards. They're not going to 10x your money. That is not their job. Their job is to manage your money according to your goals and your level of risk. Are you willing to take a lot of risks or are you not willing to take a lot of risk? So please beware when you're looking for a financial advisor of people, especially on social media, that have no credentials and are promising you exorbitant returns. These people are generally a scam. A financial advisor is primarily a financial consultant. They are here to consult you and provide their expertise for you and your individual challenges and problematics. And it is logical when you think about it. Someone who is capable of 10xing your money would 10x their own money and would not be working anymore. They would just manage their own money and keep multiplying it. So please be aware of that as well when you're looking for a financial advisor. So that's a great segue into the last part of this episode and by far the shortest, which is how do you go about finding a financial advisor? You've asked a question, you've made your decision, now you want to hire one to manage your finances. How do you get started? It's crucial to do your due diligence. Start by identifying your financial goals and understanding the services you need. Do you need 
tax advice, you need budgeting advice, you need investment advice. Once you have a clear picture of the services you need, you need to go into your network and seek recommendations from friends, family, or colleagues. Word of mouth is the way to go because personal referrals can provide valuable insights on whether people are ethical, whether they're trustworthy, whether they're reliable, and whether they have a strong expertise or not. So either some people in your network are going to have worked with a financial advisor, whether it's from your family, your friends, your colleagues, or you have absolutely no one. And that's where you're going to need to do your own research on the internet. Do not go to your bank. Do your research on the internet. You don't want to just go to your bank, ask your banker what he thinks, because he's going to have a conflict of interest. He's going to recommend someone in-house that in turn... It's probably going to sell you products from in-house and we don't want that, right? We want someone that is a bit more impartial. So whether you got names from your own research or from a recommendation from your network, then you're going to need to verify that this recommendation is a fiduciary because remember, they act in your best interests. To me, that is a non-negotiable. You want a fiduciary. And then ideally, you want someone that is a fiduciary, but also have the credentials that I have outlined earlier. Then the next step is you're going to interview those potential advisors to assess whether you like them or not. Do you like their approach? Um, What are their fees? How much is it going to cost you? And also, you'll be able to gauge whether they have a good understanding of your financial um, situation and what services they can provide to you. It's all about finding the right fit for your needs and comfort level. It's a little bit like a designer or art. Some people are going to love a particular artist. Some people are going to love a particular designer, but it's not going to work for everybody. That's a wrap for today's episode of Deep Pockets and Stilettos about the burning topic of do you need a financial advisor? I hope you gained valuable insights about what are financial advisors, the pros and cons of hiring one, and how to go about it if you decide to hire one. I'm your host, Lorianne, and as always, do your research and make informed decisions about your financial future. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, don't forget to rate and leave a review. It's the best way to help the podcast grow and get discovered by other women like you that are looking to take their financial game to the next level. Also, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any new episode. I'll see you next time. And in the meantime, remember, take action to materialize the life you want. The information contained in this podcast is not intended as and shall not be understood or construed as financial, legal, and tax advice. I am not an attorney, accountant, or financial advisor, nor am I holding myself out to be, and the information contained here is not a substitute for financial advice from a professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation.